0: If this virus is present, within a large enough segment of the population,
1: it could mean... What is it, Doctor?
0: I just took an air sample. The virus? It's mutated into an airborne variety. Which means? Which means the whole station is infected.
1: Space, the final frontier, these are the recordings of the podcast Give Me That Star Trek, its ongoing mission, to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before... Welcome to episode 38 of Gimme That Star Trek, a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Siskoid, and today we're talking about epidemiology, as it is presented in the Deep Space Nine episode, Babel. And for that, the FW studios are receiving in person, my good friend, and more importantly, an epidemiologist, Mathieu Chalifou, who we call Chalif. Chalif, welcome to the show. Hello,
0: it is I, your friendly neighborhood epidemiologist
1: <laughs> uh, we'll get a chance to talk about what you actually do you're not a field no epidemiologist you're not a, a medical doctor you're no. not a doctor at all not know. a
0: doctor the nothing we will say today is medical advice never listen to me
1: <laughs> uh, so uh well this is goodbye i guess for <laughs> listeners. no but before we get into it Sharif, the listeners need you to show your star trek cred or lack thereof with our usual quiz, what is your personal connection or origin story with Star Trek, if any? So. Because this is like, this is sort of an assignment I gave you. Oh, <laughs> epidemiology, watch Babel. And, uh, and By the way, this it.
0: is also about Star Trek. It is me. also about yeah. Star Trek, yeah. So I guess my personal connection to Star Trek goes back to my childhood, where my father, who, who had watched some Star Trek, uh, decided to decorate my room into a space theme. Okay. Um. So we had those like fluorescent stars on the ceiling, (laughs) and as part of that, you know, planets, whatnot. And he hung up, uh, like a couple of pictures of the USS Enterprise. Bought me a couple of models of the USS Enterprise. Are we talking about
1: the classic Enterprise or the TNG? TNG. Yeah.
0: So yeah, TNG being out roughly when I was growing up. Right. That was the big one at the time. Other than that, him and I used to play. on p c it was either twenty fifth or thirtieth anniversary star trek point and click adventure game okay. <laughs> uh over and over we would inevitably lose most of the time and I distinctly remember one of the first sequences you have to like phaser rocks in the correct sequence because if you don't, the red shirt dies <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: and that was like my a common, first... a common problem I'm yeah. Sure. We phase the bottom rocks. rock first. <laughs> Duh. top rock. Okay, yeah, okay, I get Falls it. Falls down. I get, yeah, okay,
0: okay. <laughs> so that's that. That was like my first foray into the Star Trek universe. Okay. Was but uh, have you
1: watched a lot of it or not much? Some
0: uh, in the past year. Babel,
1: <laughs> right,
0: would be the one that I've watched. <laughs> uh, I've seen all the reboot movies. Okay, Wrath of Khan. Buried alive. Buried alive. In just a few episodes here and there, mostly TNG.
1: Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite iteration of the show? So it would be
0: TNG would. because that's the one that I've seen the most.
1: And do you have a favorite
0: character from that
1: iteration? Or Jordi LaForge. Geordi! Other-
0: Jordi LaForge. Here's the reason why. Yeah, go ahead. Is because after my father and I were done with the computer stuff, eventually he bought me a game, a Star Trek game. Apparently, my dad's much more of a Trekkie than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, why isn't he here? That, uh, <laughs> He's in Mexico somewhere. He bought me a Star Trek game on the Sega Genesis, in which you played Jordy LaForge, who had laser beam eye powers or something. (laughs) I don't know. It was terrible. I don't remember anything from that game, other than as a 11-year-old or whatever it was. But that bonded you to Jordy. That bonded me to Jordy. Okay. I want the... Essentially, I want Cyclops from (laughs) X-Men. The game. Are you
1: sure that's not what it was?
0: So <laughs> <laughs> the X Men game? Could be, but. Uh, that's not I, Colossus, I, that's, that's Data. <laughs> it's just. it's just, It was an X
1: Men game and just reskinned it. Yeah, they just reskinned it. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite alien species? That's our last one. Oh. Borg. Classic. TNG Classic enemy. cube. Cool. Well, let's talk about epidemiology because diseases like the Borg. Yes. Tend to spread. Uh, so what is the, you know, what is epidemiology? What's the difference between work on the ground, which we've seen in movies like Contagion or Mm -hmm. Outbreak or, uh, and office statistical work, which is what you do. Right. So, um,
0: as you rightly point out, there's, there's what's called like field epidemiology. So if you, you can take a course through, uh, the federal, well, in Canada, the, the Feds, Public Health Agency of Canada. Um, they'll train CDC you in. CDC in the
1: US, I guess. CDC
0: in the US. Uh, they'll train you in field epidemiology specifically. And that is there's an Ebola outbreak, go. Create containment rooms, plan out the quarantines, do all that kind of stuff. Right. The cool stuff. The stuff you do in uh, Pandemic, <coughs> the, yeah, uh, yeah. the board game. Essentially. Okay. Uh, fun fact ah. uh, there is an epidemiologist role
1: in Pandemic. Uh, which, of course, is my favorite. But do you mean it's the same role that you play? Uh, uh, or is- no. <laughs> okay, no, okay. <clears throat> it's still a field epidemiologist. It's still in a the field game.
0: epidemiologist, in the- I think.
1: Yeah. I well, that. my version of Pandemic is like the Call of Cthulhu one. <laughs> it's a Lovecraft one where you stop cultists from bringing up elder gods. Yes. So that's not a disease a game, but it's, you know, it's yes. the same concept. So there's no epidemiologist there. <laughs> Librarian or something. <laughs> yeah. Right?
0: librarians they used to do everything so for field epidemiology that's that's kind of what you see most of the time uh there's also non-field epidemiology or desk or office or whatever and that can be split multiple ways as well but essentially you handle a lot of the surveillance which is we look at cases of a specific virus or whatever on a daily basis, and we wait to see blips. There's uh, some of that surveillance work. Some of that is um, responding to certain outbreaks. So, for example, um, mad cow disease, they would assign epidemiologists, uh, E. coli infections through lettuce or beef or whatever. They'd assign an epidemiologist, try to find trace the source and all that stuff. Uh, a lot of what it is ends up being what's called network analysis. Which is, in the case of an outbreak, best case scenario, you can link everyone to the same source, right? So The same replicator. The same replicator.
1: (laughs) In in the example we're going to use. The same
0: reservoir. Mm -hmm. Essentially, what you want to see is that, you know, it's a contaminated water source or a contaminated food source or a person who went to a specific area and you can... Trace the disease from there. What's scarier is when you can't. You have twenty people. You can link maybe ten of them together, which means the other ten you don't know how they got the disease. Which means the disease is popping up in a multitude of areas. So that's kind of more desk. So tracking, I get, a lot of I would tracking. Call it tracking. The WHO, I think, released a, a, a little thirty or fifty pager on epidemiology in like the seventies. Okay. This is all secondhand. This is what one of of my profs told me. He said the first line was, epidemiologists are disease detectives. That's what convinced him to go into epidemiology. But at the end of the day, that's most of it, is just finding things that shouldn't be there, finding things that should be there that aren't, etc., etc. Just trying to track the source, find the source, and then quarantine, quarantine, quarantine.
1: So right now, is that part of your work, keeping an eye on the coronavirus (coughs) outbreak?
0: So unfortunately I'm not part of that team. Okay. I say unfortunately because it sounds really cool, but it's also fortunate because I don't have a ludicrous amount of work related to a right. developing
1: outbreak. <laughs> so you're you're keeping watch on other things. I'm keeping watch on a couple of other things, because uh, if, if but... you, you know, if you're just looking at that one. <laughs> yeah. Others th- the, oh, other, no! the other viruses are going hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the plague to come back. It's my chance. Small yeah. box will rise. <laughs> um, so I
0: do keep an eye on a couple of other things, but mostly. So I did mention there was a kind of a split in desk. So mm-hmm. a lot of surveillance happens at the federal level. So Public Health Agency of Canada. The provincial level is... A which bit, is where you work? Which is where I am. Okay. At the provincial level. It's a bit different, a bit more responsive. So there is a team dedicated to uh, coronavirus. We do keep an eye on s- certain things. Uh, provincial response. Uh, but what I'm doing mostly right now is research. So not necessarily microbiology research, uh, more like health systems research. Okay. Um, so like, as an example, this wasn't at this job, but my first job outside of grad school was uh, the first paper I published was looking at the difference in for-profit versus non-for-profit long-term care homes in terms of mortality and hospitalization for people in there. Does it sound like an epidemic? No, but your epidemiology training gives you the ability to kind of assess uh health systems uh, do stats around public health and all that kind of right. stuff. So that's most of what it's I It's like do. why
1: are people dying? <coughs> it may not be a virus. It, it may not be a virus. It it could be like multitude a, of other
0: things. A facility
1: issue or Could be a
0: facility you know, issue, like could that. be staffing, could be Yeah, it's evolved to be more than just epidemics, even though that's still, you know, the core basis of it, to be more around just public health research systems with a twist. <laughs> and the other part I didn't really talk about fits a bit under field epi is, uh, of course, response to bioterrorism. Okay, uh, yeah. Which, yeah. which, again, why did I pick this one specific research field out of all the cool stuff? I have no answer yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that one out. Okay. But yeah, so uh, some police forces do hire uh, epidemiologists. And the example
1: we're going to use, it is a bioterrorism plot. Exactly in uh, in Deep Space Nine's Babel.
0: Just not on their intended targets. Right.
1: Yes. Well, they're accidentally set up. <laughs> Accidental bioterrorist. <laughs> I mean, whoever finds the bomb is still in, in trouble. So if we look at Babel, uh, now, for people who haven't seen it, or who need a little reminder, uh, it's the fourth episode of Deep Space Nine, in which a device is activated. It starts with uh, you, you must have thought, this isn't a epidemiology episode. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, is engineering. <laughs> yeah, it's really Miles O'Brien is having a tough time fixing everything on the station. Because it's very early on, and uh, it's a piece of crap, this place. And he activates, accidentally, a device that releases a virus, a bioengineered virus, into the replicators, and, and thus into the food that people replicate. Uh, suddenly, people can't understand one another. It causes an aphasia effect. Uh, because the the, the uh, disease or the virus lodges somewhere in the brain that affects your speech centers, and people suddenly start to succumb to this until eventually it is fixed. Because we're episode four <laughs> we need, of a seven a, season series, right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so we've got a lot of stuff in there because yeah. there, there there is sure. Doctor Bashir is working on the the solution itself, antidote.
0: Or so they say.
1: They they call it an antidote. Yeah. I, you know, a vaccine. I yes. Guess, what, that's what they really mean. And then uh, there's also the response to this, the station response. And there's also, I guess, Kira is sort of trying to track the, mm-hmm. some of the origins of the... So she's, in a very
0: loose way, mm-hmm. she's acting like an epidemiologist. Right. In a very loose way. Right. <laughs> where she's is trying is like to the... find the source of the disease uh, as a potential fix for the disease. Right. And Cisco, of course, is acting as the quarantine officer. Right, okay, yeah.
1: He's government, he's CDC. My rule is law. Does the science make sense? That's what I'm going to ask. I mean, obviously, they've got to fix it in 40 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But what's your (laughs) overall... Very little time skip, too. Overall impression.
0: Uh, Overall impression. So, one of the first things I did was look at how often can a virus cause aphasia. Uh, Because that is just not really something I had ever come across
1: I think that's a science fiction element.
0: And, and you know, that's the other part is I'm applying my earthly primitive knowledge to space. Uh, which, you know, we can kind of hand wave a lot of things by saying yes, but it's space viruses.
1: <laughs> um, but are you saying there are cases of viral aphasia?
0: Yes, and the answer will <laughs> shock you. Okay. in extremely rare, we're talking about, I think it's one per... F- 500,000 cases of herpes. It's a rare complication. It's uh, Herpes-derived encephalopathy, so essentially your brain fills with a bunch of liquid, I think, and it creates lesions or traumatic brain injury to brain-causing aphasia. So that is pretty much the only viral aphasia I've come across in my limited research. So My
1: impression being, this is just a really bad
0: case of space rupees.
1: Okay, so maybe whoever designed the virus in the space nine just took that little piece. Yeah, the the DNA, that code that fills your brain mm -hmm. with liquid was like, and weaponized it.
0: Weaponized it somehow. Right. That that part very unlikely, plausible. Okay. Wow. I thought that was the mean, I mean, I mean, I, see, I say plausible, not by any sort of current means or technology. No, but 300,
1: 300 to 400 years. In the future. In the future, a Bajoran geneticist.
0: Splicing together some sort of crazy, whacked out. And viruses we don't have. Correct. Encephalopathy causing virus. I, I, I say plausible. <laughs> Again, not a doctor.
1: Right, okay. Not a microbiologist. But plausible but it's happened i mean there there, there is a
0: case of a virus that causes aphasia
1: credible okay (coughs) credible that's cool
0: other part which is also incredibly unlikely yet plausible is the virus mutating in such a
1: short time span to being airborne there's like a line in there about it was designed to mutate
0: yeah, but I mean, every virus mutates. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, HIV mutates, mm. uh, measles mutates, like everything mutates. It's just, you can't, again, earthly understanding, you can't force that mutation to be into something. Another thing I looked up out of curiosity, in the history of what we know of diseases, only 20 or so have ever mutated their route of transmission. Okay. Extremely rare,
1: but plausible. Okay. (laughs) So usually, if it's ingestion, like in this case it was... If it's foodborne, it will remain foodborne. And you can't cough someone... No. ...in someone's face and give them to them? Uh, Not typically. Or in this case, it's airborne in the sense that it's not just like... Well, when we say airborne... Like, it doesn't feel like there's necessarily, like, a human... I mean, it's just in the air... It's just in the air.
0: Yeah, th- typically when we talk about airborne, it really means, like, the tiny droplets of mucus from your mouth. And that we... That we... Yeah. So, of course, facilitated by spray could technically exist in living, the air.
1: You know, they're all living in a... Very
0: close quarters.
1: hmm Like, you contaminate the air supply, and it's not like the wind's going to take it away. You're yeah. inside a space station or inside a runabout. And, Even then... Okay. Yeah. So, when they say airborne, they just mean you would still get it from someone else.
0: Yes, I guess. But mutating to airborne and it's such a short time span. Yeah. Again, crazy Bajoran geneticist somewhere.
1: What did you think of the immunities involved? So, of
0: the Ferengi? Well, okay, Ferengi, you
1: know, Quark does not seem affected, although we don't see any. We don't see him eat or drink anything. No, but if it's airborne. But he, it seems like other Ferengi, there are other Ferengi on the station. We don't see them. Doesn't mean they're not just in quarantine, respecting the rules. Yeah. Unlike Quark. <laughs> but Quark is, uh, maybe the Ferengi are not, they don't really don't have, seem to have the same brains. Yeah. They have very different heads. And Odo is, of course, immune because he's, he's a liquid. So <laughs> not, he does not have a brain. Which, except. which
0: somehow is just, a person being a liquid is not anything I've ever covered in my courses. no, so, no.
1: so they're fine, but I mean, like uh, Kira and Cisco are like the last to succumb that we know maybe there's some people sitting in their quarters, quarantined <laughs> they're fine, uh, but private but, jensen, yeah, second week on base that's it, he's fine, no. <laughs> but, but Cisco <laughs> and Kira long. are still like the last, and we've got a lot of alien species in there that they're all getting sick, but Cisco and Kira are i don't know it's like they're the most willful. And so, they, you know, it's like uh, they stay up the longest, but they only succumb at the very end. Mm. Uh, and so, there's a real discrepancy between how quickly... Time to
0: infection. Yeah. And... So, of course, the people... They mentioned
1: that, that it's like the incubation is... Uh, very... it varies from body to body,
0: which it does. Okay. So, for example, uh, coronavirus, we say 14 days... Well, I say we, this is a royal we. Mm-hmm. I don't say anything. They say 14 days is like the incubation period. That does not mean it's going to manifest itself at 14 days for every single person. Right. It will vary from person to person, and, and 14 days being kind of the max bound. So if they don't exhibit symptoms for that amount of time, we can consider they haven't been infected. However, the containment and quarantine protocols on that ship are unlike anything I've ever seen okay. <laughs> in terms of how terrible it is. <laughs> So on the one case you have almost from an external point of view a perfect situation where whatever black death you've released on your ship it is contained to your ship.
1: Mm-hmm. So worse comes to worst well it's a space station so it's a port.
0: Yes. There's but but they yeah. Cisco did do the right thing of like no one coming in no one coming out. Right. So at this point it can be a floating ghost ship if it comes to that the rest it, of the world it could is could just safe. be a tomb. Yes. Okay. Which, great plot device for a future episode.
1: <laughs> They've actually done it. Ah, that. There's another station, Empok Nor, you know, that's yeah. got, like, uh, just, like, people in tubes in there.
0: <clears throat> so that's, from an external point of view, that's good. From an internal point of view, of course, you don't want your end result to be, well, everyone's dead. <laughs> no. It's a continuing series. Yeah. And they seem to take very little precaution... <laughs> In making sure not everyone is dead. So we do hear of a couple of things that seem relatively smart. That captain, I forget his name, who's forced to stay on his ship. Right. And that's another element we'll get to, people trying to skirt the rules. Get mm-hmm. to that later. But uh if you've been uninfected and you have your own ship, stay on your own ship. Don't come into our airspace. Don't share. That's, that's good, generally speaking. Look at the med bay <laughs> okay. where they're putting all of the sickness, which initially foodborne. So initially, not too bad, right? Right. But within what seems to me like hours, maybe minutes, <laughs> they're like, oh, it's airborne now. And like the next scene is Cisco going to his son, rubbing his face all over him, being like, ah, oh, son. The nurse with no protective gear, no mask, no N95 respirators. Nothing. Visitors coming in and out. Korg being like, "Yeah, owe me money! (laughs) (laughs) This is what? Extremely poor handling of a quarantine situation at
1: that level. What would you have done? Is it like, everybody's confined to quarters?
0: So, yeah. Essentially, if you're uninfected, stay in your quarters. A bit like that cruise ship did, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't have any details of what they actually did, but... Everyone stays in your room. Food will be brought to you. We're sorry this sucks. Right. Essentially. Instead, they created a a brouhaha of spreading diseases as best as they could. (laughs) Well, we can't
1: can't tell the captain not to say goodbye to his son. (laughs) Yes, you can. You have no choice. Although they all acted like they were all infected no matter what. That is how they acted. So if we're all infected anyway, you can't get a double dose, can you? You can't. You can't doubly die so is it possible that you know somebody scans cisco and said uh you're infected we're all infected and then so he goes well you know it is how we're many just pe- we're not, just not seeing it how many people are on deep space nine uh probably probably a few thousand
0: yeah first shot of med bay or sorry uh, there's a shot of dr Bashir being like i've got seven people with this disease mm-hmm. this is not the time to be going in and out Talking and rubbing, like when when it gets to a critical <laughs> not,
1: mass. I don't know what's happening on these baseline where everybody's rubbing, but
0: <laughs> yeah, I read into it.
1: When yeah, I, want. I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> at, at this point, there's there's. Again, it could be solved by space hand waving, right? Like mm-hmm. we have decontaminators at every at every door.
1: Right, like an invisible force field <clears> that just, did just, yeah. Well, whatever's your on your skin. Yes, but if you've got it, you're just coughing around. Who knows? Well, nobody's coughing. No one, Nobody no know. one coughed. No, which that's... was the other
0: weird thing about the airborne transmission. Ah, okay, because
1: all seem to have like a, fe- a sudden fever and then aphasia and then aphasia it, fever. Yeah, aphasia, they,
0: feel like fever, yeah aphasia, they feel like weak. Uh, fever, and then aphasia and fever. then. High fever,
1: which could be deadly,
0: <laughs> which could be deadly, but a fever really is is your body's way of fighting out the virus. Mm-hmm. That's why you get fevers yeah. when you're in the you virus. Boil friction. the virus dead, trying to yeah, and like uh, honeybees kill wasps. Don't know if you know about that. Okay, they kind of create a ball of heat around a wasp because a wasp's maximum heat capacity or whatever is like one hundred and twenty, but a honeybee is like one hundred and thirty. Okay, so they cook it at like one hundred and twenty-five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow that is not epidemiology no but uh, but it's like an, a, an, an example of what your body's trying to do is right. essentially just okay. yeah get it out trying to boil the virus okay uh i think <laughs> not a doctor not a doctor so yes so containment protocols would have been you know respirators uh actual protective personal protective equipment for the nurses for the doctors uh limited contact with the outside world if you must set a like greeting station or whatever, you do so from behind a bubble. You, you essentially create a bunch of, uh, you create a bubble room.
1: Force fields in their case, probably. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and you can still talk through the containment is, is there. Cause at seven, it could have still, still been foodborne. I'm not sure, but I doubt we went from like seven people to. 150 before we figured out it was airborne.
1: Let's talk about the impediments to disease control in this. Other than uh, (laughs) what seems to be, (laughs) you know, just... uh, A a terrible quarantine zone. Yeah, okay. Uh, Quark's bar. Yes. So Quark's bar uh, is kind of ground zero for the the disease, but... uh, Kind of. Well, which mean, is
0: interesting because technically the Ground Zero is at a different floor.
1: Right. And he's, somewhere else. he's taking food from that contaminated Yeah,
0: which would make source, you know. an actual epidemiologist's job very difficult. Everyone who went to this bar got sick, mm-hmm. but none of the food in the bar contains any viruses. Or and it, then does, you go, it does,
1: but it, it wasn't actually... <clears throat> yeah,
0: none of the food prepared in the bar. Right.
1: So then you go, what? And the fact that Cork is just spreading this stuff and having parties—yes, his uh, relaunch for his <laughs> successful repair, right? Air quotes. So this would be an impediment. Yes. Another one is um, uh, will travel, of course. So presumably, by the time that Cisco called it, no one had already left the station that day. Presumably, I imagine. Yeah. What if they had? It? What if they had and they were infected? If they had left the station, they were infected. What would have been Starfleet's response? What should have they have done?
0: Track him down, ask him to come back, uh, get someone else external to force them back, or create a separate quarantine zone for them elsewhere. Right. So that's uh, also uh, a... A rubbing... A dead ship. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay. It was a rubbing paradise right. until they all died. And we have that Tellarite <laughs> captain who does try to leave. Yes. So he's in the panic mode... He's going to lose all his... uh, His stock is going to spoil... He's going to lose so much money. And so he decides that he has to leave.
0: Yes. And that is a fairly typical response from many outbreak quarantine situations. Okay. I'm guessing it's human nature to a certain extent is... A, either you don't want to admit to yourself that you might also be infected... B, there's external factors that, you know, well, if I'm infected, I'm infected, but I can't stand to lose 20 grand. You're still thinking about your life outside of that. Uh, and and there's examples. Uh, I believe with coronavirus, the, there was a lady in Europe somewhere that was under voluntary quarantine, and then they just found her roaming the streets. Just, oh, I had to go see so-and-so. Where you don't necessarily think it applies to you, or you don't want it to apply to you, or, you know, you don't think it matters. I don't know, but you will see non-compliance of quarantine regulations pop up. Right. That's that's fairly normal and expected, I think. Not that it's desirable. So, of course, if he left and he was infected, and I think by the end he said, you know, all of his crew was infected or something, he's just spreading it elsewhere. Yeah. You made 20 grand, but now everyone's dead. (laughs) So. Because he
1: was infected too at the end. I he mean, was infected too at the Odo end. had to carry him out of the of his ship before it blew.
0: Yeah, wasn't making sense. Trying to phagic.
1: Yeah. So that this is something that actually happens. Uh, yes. Non-compliance. Yes. H- how far do authorities normally go when I mean, if if somebody's not com- not compliant and putting other people in danger, is there is there a protocol? Is there something that, that
0: I I cannot okay, comment on? I don't know. However, I'm guessing fairly far. Uh, if someone has the black plague, you're not going to just him. be like, no, okay. probably not, okay. <laughs> probably not. Shoot to kill, but hey, you're going to be in this room for the next three weeks. But I don't want to. Well, it doesn't matter. Okay. Right? So yeah, oh, well. so
1: some people would be like, like that lady. Did you? Gave yes, as an example. she was
0: forcibly taken back. I'm sure. Right.
1: Maximum security for this person,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. You're kind of made to respect hmm. the
1: quarantine. rules. Another problem that seemed to be at play during the episode is. Loss of personnel. They get infected, and suddenly you you have fewer and fewer and fewer re- resources to actually address the problem. Was that an actual concern? If they only had hazmat suits,
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that's part of it, right? Okay, yeah. Is
1: is your
0: on the ground personnel, to my understanding, is is decked out. So anecdotally, uh, a friend of mine is an epidemiologist over in on the west coast of Canada. He's field, uh, and he was just fitted for an N95 respirator uh, as part of uh, being, I think, a screening officer for coronavirus. He's not even on the ground yet talking to anyone with it yet. He already has his respirator. So they do take care (laughs) to make sure that the people that know how to fight this aren't going to be incapacitated by it. Will it happen? I mean, possibly i, I don't want to say probably but it, it will happen uh, you, you've got the case of that physician in china uh, who has passed from from coronavirus which is just a byproduct of working so closely with the disease um, and also we don't know the history of that physician's uh, pr- personal protective equipment uh, i believe he was one of the first ones to work with it so there probably wasn't any ppe by the f- time he started working with these cases um reduction of personnel is not really something i've ever heard being a major concern mostly because everyone has their personal protective equipment if you look at a movie like contagion mm-hmm. uh, you can see that it becomes more of a problem
1: but you're talking yeah, the, global the, pandemic to right. levels and the field epidemiologist that we follow in that <clears throat> among the many characters yes suddenly gets it Correct. So suddenly, and she's one of the first. I mean, she e- immediately realizes that this is happening. So she she moves over to the next yeah. I mean, to, to that level of from epidemiologist to patient. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within a contained area. Yeah, I, I I imagine it's a bit harder, especially. So yeah, I'm very curious as to what happened on that cruise ship. How you know they made sure that the essential operations staff for the ship weren't going to be incapacitated by it. Because yeah, if you lose your boat captain. <laughs>
1: And no one knows how to steer your boat. Dead ship situation. Mm-hmm. At, at the end, before they fix it, yes. Deep Space Nine is basically working on Odo, who's a security <laughs> chief, and Quark is helping. And he's just a civilian... Bartender. <laughs> well, businessman. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he apparently served on a ship when he was younger, so he knew how to press a button. Uh, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> sure... Uh but that's it. And everybody else is either confined or we don't see any other maybe there are there's personnel somewhere that's Well there's
0: gotta be like, you know, Corporal Jensen somewhere.
1: Corporal Jensen is I think it was private earlier, so he's just rising through. (laughs) Oh yeah, everybody's dying. (laughs) Nobody dies actually. Nobody dies that we know. Well O'Brien was the first case, he didn't die, so I'm guessing. Yeah. You're right. Never, there's never mention of casualties. Yes. Here. Uh, so how would you grade, or um, let's talk about Kira as the de facto improvised epidemiologist, desk epidemiologist. Yes. Disease detective. Sure. More like a person detective. She's actually just a detective at this
0: point. (laughs) Okay. She's hunting down a, a guy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. She did find the source. I think that was her, right? She cross-referenced the replicators, found that it was
1: all these. If she didn't, somebody else did. Somebody that. else
0: did. So someone filled that role. Yeah. And then she went to hunt down the source of a bio-engineered, genetically engineered right. virus.
1: Let's let's give uh, some um, some grades to the, the different people. How, how did Kira do as desk epidemiologist? Uh, I'm gonna give her a solid A,
0: except for maybe leaving the station. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, the,
1: the, that's the the. Let's <clears throat> ignore point. the. She she leaves a station. She breaks quarantine. Yes, but she never goes on a planet. Yeah. And the only person she infects is the guy that she needs help from, who is resistant to helping. Yes, so she makes him a hostage. Yes, with... and now he is just by, and he's infected, and so now he has to help because he's in it. That I mean... would not happen. This is a dramatic. Yeah, thing. and and
0: the other part, which I'm. guessing we'll get to later is just developing a vaccine within 45 minutes that's a whole nother question but let's stay on kira for now you can break quarantine under specific circumstances i keep going back to that ship because it's just such an analogous situation to this episode uh, the coronavirus cruise ship Mm -hmm. i mean governments did eventually take people out they didn't just say okay you're riding it on this ship until it's done no we're gonna gonna lift the quarantine we're gonna get the people that are not displaying symptoms to come back. We're going to put them in a separate quarantine for... So just because something's declared a quarantine doesn't mean it's permanently so. There can be certain restrictions or, or steps taken around that, either for the safety of the patients or uh, security of the personnel or whatever reasons. In this case, I don't think Cisco had any other choice. That was essentially the only way out of a death ship. That's not to say that it's the right call to make, But what you're weighing is whether the risk of sending someone out on a ship and not going anywhere is a higher risk than not doing it, right? Mm -hmm. It's a weird sentence the way I said it. But But essentially, you're you're weighing the likelihood that she's going to go out and infect someone. Well, if it's designed as a foodborne, somehow mutated into airborne, and the air is contained inside of the ship, the risk is... Part of the ship blows up and releases it into the space vacuum.
1: Yeah, no. You'd have to go... She'd have to go down. She'd, she'd have to go field. down. Yeah. yeah. Never does.
0: The risk, very minimal. The payoff, great. Cisco yeah. decides, yeah, sure, go ahead.
1: So so I'm, I'm giving her
0: an A. A, that she found the person. B, that when that person was dead, found someone else who might have known anything about it. That's right. C, that managed to get them on board. And D, managed to get them to work out a vaccine in 45 minutes. <laughs> Or whatever it, was. or whatever amount of time. It, it, I mean, before she gets him, they say it's twelve hours until O'Brien dies. Okay, and she has time to leave the ship, go get him, come back, and develop the thing. Before well, 12 Bajor hours
1: is in the same system, so yeah, yeah. So, okay, we're still,
0: you know, let's give her an hour to do the back and forth and talk to Cisco and come up with the plan, and it still gives him ten hours at most, and the time lapse does not seem to be <laughs> ten hours. It seems that he sits down at the computer for the very first time and goes, oh. my colleague was brilliant. This is how you fix it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I give her an A, because at the end of the day, she saved the ship. Medically, uh, Bashir. Bashir. Bashir is the, the you know the, the field guy yes. on this. So how does he do?
0: I mean, he does what I'd expect most physicians to do in this case, which is, first and foremost, treat your patients. The, the Hippocratic Oath, if they have that,
1: they do, yeah. And okay. yeah, that still exists in the. Still space, exists. Space, space, you know, Hippocratic Oath.
0: do no harm. Yeah. Uh, the first thing you want to do is take care of the people, take care of their symptoms. The systemic stuff you always need to keep a mind of, but really what you. You know, he had seven patients that were going to die. He's dealing with the seven patients that are going to die. As an aside, he's also trying to develop a way to counteract this virus.
1: Yeah. Now he eventually sets up like a field hospital, sort of sets thing. Sets up a
0: field hospital. Uh, the only thing I'm really giving them negative grades on is is the quarantine right. protocol of the nurse with no gear
1: himself uh, with no people gear.
0: hugging and talking core going in and shaking people down <laughs> there was like no anyways there's no security still there. a bit bothered by that yeah. field hospital but setting up a field hospital good idea recommandeering a, a specific area for those people good idea Um, And I've
1: always felt that Bashir, we once did a show where we compared all the doctors and their bedside manner and (laughs) their different styles. And really, the, the feeling is that Bashir, his strength is research. Right. He's a good doctor, but medical research seems to be more of his thing. He's, he's a real brainiac, uh, compared to some of the other doctors that we've seen who are, you know.
0: Yeah, who are more, uh, I served in the war and I know how to patch a leg.
1: That's, uh, McCoy. McCoy and yeah. then you've got, uh, <laughs> you know, Dr. Crusher, who was more of an empathetic, yeah. uh, family doctor kind of type. So, uh, and, and you're right. Bashir, you get that sense that
0: he's more of a. I did microbiology and then I became a doctor. Mm-hmm. Comes at it from the science, uh, is obviously intrigued and, and I think excited
1: to a certain extent. You know Maybe he, um, he loosened the, the, the jar <laughs> there. He loosened the top of the jar for that other guy to come in and do yeah. it. Boom.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> as far as the, the science they talk about when they're talking about techno battle. Techno battle. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, I think he acts admirably, except for that quarantine. So if we give him a letter, I don't know, B? B+. B plus. First B-plus he's ever received,
1: I'm sure. <laughs> well, he only came in second at the Academy on yeah. the exams. <laughs> it's touchy about it. <laughs> what about the grade for the, I guess you're calling him a quarantine officer, for the, the government in yes. this, which is Cisco. Cisco.
0: He makes the tough decisions. So when uh, the captain of that other ship, the cargo, you know, is, is insisting on leaving, he firmly and assuredly says no. Uh, that is what you want out of a leadership right is is this is what we're gonna do we're gonna stick to it this is how we're gonna do it that's good i don't know if his role is necessarily to put into question the way by which the subordinates are acting out the plan so you know dr bashir declaring a field hospital you know it's not to cisco to be like oh you shouldn't let people in there he's trusting his medical expert. To be like, you know, right. you've set this up properly and you told me I can go see my son. Okay, I'm going to go see my son.
1: And again, if we relate it <laughs> to a past episode, we talked about Cisco's leadership style. Right. And that he is someone who trusts. He's not a micromanager. Right. He trusts his people, which is one of the, the key points that we brought out in that show.
0: And it's a great quality in any leader is, is to let the people whose expertise you trust mm. lead the implementation and let yourself be the direction. <laughs> and he does that. Very very well. Uh, the only thing I find funny is he resists to the disease a very long time, right. but like he says one word, one aphasic word, and then drops. <laughs>
1: He's just yeah. laid out on the no, console. Like a, it's like he resisted the disease <clears throat> so long that suddenly eh, <clears throat> it, it hit him like a ton of bricks. <laughs> he you know he went from. Zero to full-on, gonna die. Yeah, and as far as I know, he's one of the few that is actually passed out from it. Like O'Brien and all that, after a while. Yeah, after a while passed out. They're on their bed. But, uh, yeah, it just kills them right there. Blargle,
0: Nargle, Glouse. Yeah,
1: Yeah, not his fault. (laughs) No. But I'm wondering if, in Star Trek logic, Star Trek logic might dictate that this this is like a brain thing, Mm. a brain virus that maybe, I feel like, Cisco and Kira specifically last the longest. Because are, are they the most willful? Are they somehow able to mentally resist the disease because they're calling it a mental disease?
0: Right. Star Scientifically, Trek?
1: no, no. Star Trek logic, maybe. Maybe.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's very bootstrap logic.
1: <laughs> well, it seems like the captain of a ship uh, yeah. on the start or a station in this case. So he's not even a captain. He's a commander uh, at this point. But the, the idea is, is always like the trope is that the captain always succumbs last. Yes. Kirk used to be the last one to fall down, and you get like, because super... Because they've got so much resolve. Superhuman Spock <laughs> is there. <laughs> super strong, super resistant, super mental capacity will fall before Kirk. You know, Kirk will be the last one to fall because of the alien probe thing. This is a trope. Just gotta
0: pull yourself by the bootstraps
1: and resist. Yeah. Picard's gonna be the last to fall. Yeah, Sisko's uh, gonna be the last to fall. Janeway's gonna be the last to fall. It's, it's a trope. Yeah, it's a yeah. heroic trope. Yeah. We have to sort of accept that we're watching a space opera. It's not ER. Right. Where, you know, it's going to be medicine every time. So, Cisco's grade. Uh, Ah, Because That's that's not his fault, but I mean, the quarantine is really kind of B plus. There's a lot of uh, in and out and quirk running around. Yeah, but
0: that, I don't know if I can put that on his shoulders. Okay, okay. Uh, I I think that's more on Bashir's shoulders. So, yeah, I'm revising my B plus for Bashir to B. Okay. Just because that, could it even be a C? Because really, at the end of the day, I, I guess, yeah, I guess the person I'm judging for the quarantine is the doctor, whose job it is to set the quarantine. So he did a very good job at dealing with the patients, the way they were presented to him, and trying to find a solution, but fails at spreading the disease, which really would should have been his prime directive. Get a C, Bashir.
1: Are there any other Cisco characters that you feel like uh, were instrumental enough to be given grades? Oh, no. Okay. So what's Odo's role in this? Security. Um, so he's also in charge of quarantine, in a way.
0: He is, in the in, in the sense that he's the only one who caught cork. cork using the replicator. So if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't know that... They knew that the replicators on that level were
1: infected. Tainted, yeah.
0: But they didn't know how everyone else on the station was getting it. And and as I mentioned earlier, when you do network analysis, the last thing you want to see is sporadic cases that are unlinked. Okay. At least that linked everything back to...
1: So he's like, he's the disease tracker. He's the disease detective in this. Partially. Yeah.
0: I think they all play that role a bit. So he finds out that Cork is distributing this tainted food, spends an unhealthy amount of time with Cork. Really. <laughs> for yes. the security chief. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they've got that. Yeah, they've got that relationship. Yeah. Parts where I'm kind of faulting him a bit is letting Captain Cargo. <laughs> yeah, the Total Right dev- Captain. Yeah. yeah situation devolved to the point where he's actively thrusting away from the ship i feel as if if you're head of security and there's disgruntled people about their quarantine you should be there to keep an eye on them that is the one place i'm going to give him like a a, a negative but at the end of the day it's it's him and cork who saved the ship from explosion
1: right well it explodes but you know nobody but as a security
0: chief yeah you know b (laughs) minus
1: Okay, <laughs> you're right. He's too focused on Quark. Too focused on,
0: well, and for someone who's so focused on Quark, how did he not catch him doing this in the first place? Like, I don't know if there's a scene where they're not together. So when does <laughs> when, when does Quark, when have does Quark like, at this point, he's thrown, like, two parties of replicated food from the top floor, which he's ferried up and down and up and down.
1: Right. Where maybe, was he? Maybe he sent other people. Maybe. I mean, originally, people aren't quarantined yet. Back or, to private, Jensen. Well, <laughs> mom, or, yeah. you know, he's sending his nephew up there, yeah. his, his brother, or something. To, to, <laughs> uh, I mean, plot holes. Plot there, holes. There are plot holes, but I feel like I can explain them because I'm I'm the king of explaining plot holes in Star Trek. Uh, so, <laughs> and, I mean, all the other characters are just, like, support to all this. Yes. So, as all this machine. Uh, any last thoughts on, on Babel as it pertains to epidemiology before uh, you have to leave? No, <laughs> I'm not going on death ship, am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, okay. not, I'm not sending you on a death ship.
0: <laughs> okay, good. No, I think, I think, um, At the end of the day, it it does a good job of dealing with the trope. Because, I mean, it is, you know, everyone's infected trope. It it is a trope. I think it does a good job at it. It's serviceable as a plot. It presents kind of the situations fairly well. I really like the inclusion of someone who doesn't want to respect the quarantine. I think that's accurate. Uh, It's something that you will see, maybe not in every situation, but you will see it. And it's something that's important for people to kind of realize that you know, your health might also be affected by this idiot who wants to make his money. So that was good. Uh, you know, the the whole vaccine slash antidote slash Just whatever. Just want to get an antidote. Yeah, already, uh, this isn't a poison. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing was was the most I find hand waved science techno babble part of it right we got it fix, was somehow we got to fix this yeah it was somehow less yeah. believable than the disease in the first place right so mm, mm. so that part whatever but the rest of it the response uh the people kind of succumbing to it uh i thought
1: i thought that was very interesting cool well you're turning a little green right now yeah. yeah so I'll let you go to sick bay while i disinfect the studio it's just a petri dish in here uh and i have to stick around Anyways, uh, for subspace transmissions, that's Star Trek news and listener feedback on our previous episode. Thanks again, Shalif. Window thermometer couch. What? The t- table DVD, stupendous goats. All right, we really have to go uh, I have to get my friend over to a quarantine where you know people will just walk in and out anyways. <laughs> so thank you and I'll be right back. 2011 the irredeemable shag and aqua rob kelly teamed up to create the fire and water podcast in 2016 they teamed up with ryan daly the franklins and ciscoid to form the fire and water podcast network a network built on teaming up needs a show about team ups marvel team up yes the brave and the bold you know it marvel two in one it's clobberin time DC Comics presents... Of course. Supervillain team-up? Good idea.
0: Youngblood X-Force? Mmm, technically.
1: FW Team-Up, only from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Star Trek news has more or less dried up while Star Trek Picard is going on. That is to say, all news and discussion surrounds that show uh, and what's been happening in it. I can announce, however, that the series' soundtrack is now available in digital format. 28 tracks from the first half of the series by Emmy Award-winning composer Jeff Russo. I imagine a chapter two will come. It also includes a couple tracks from the prequel short trek, Children of Mars. (laughs) And now a selection of your comments on our previous episode, Star Trek Picard reactions with Jonathan and Maggie Schaefer-Hames. David A. Gutierrez says great discussion. He's jazzed for Jean-Luc Picard. He says here, I think the problem is Cisco has been pronouncing his French incorrectly his whole life. Pat Stew knows what's what. David and I have been, you know, staying in touch throughout this Star Trek Picard experience. So uh, I know that uh, we've both been a little impatient with the show because, I mean, it seemed to stay in Pilot mode for so long, assembling a crew, and now I know that David is is kind of feeling it that we've got too many characters to actually pay off storylines. Uh, so maybe sometimes there's like side trips and detours, and I personally really don't care about the Raffi subplot, for example. So that's a character I don't care about. I think maybe it could have been really fun if. Sure, you've got your Dr. Girardi who's integral to the plot, but the whole crew is just Rios, uh, and they've already set that up with the, the different holograms. So um, we could have streamlined the cast a little bit, even brought the very, very cool Romulans that work in the Chateau along on the trip instead of adding all these different characters. Four episodes to go from the standpoint of this episode's release, so we'll see, and I'm sure David will share more of his thoughts on this. Uh, Ryan Daly here says uh, hashtag not my vineyard. Uh, Brian Linton says thank you, lady and gentlemen. Uh, based on your discussions, this seems like a promising start to the series. Now to address the two apparent problems with this otherwise excellent pilot. Uh, Picard's poor French. First, I think this is actually an important plot point. It serves as evidence of a secret plan by the Romulans to subvert French culture by slowly corrupting their language over the course of centuries because they feel threatened by the French joie de vivre. The storyline was subtly woven into the fabric of TNG and will likely culminate in the current series. Secondly, Picard's unorthodox vineyard. Again, I think this is deliberate. Picard has adopted new world wine-growing techniques based on the advice of his Romulan vineyard workers. This is just another part of their plan to eviscerate French culture. The take-home message of all this is that the synths are just a red herring. So Brian wins the no prize award for this one. Do not send me your address and I will not send you an envelope with no prize in it. Abel Mbada uh, says California Vineyards, and poor French aside. Yeah, because that's not really what the episode was about. Uh, Thanks to everyone for just singling out this one little rant that I had in the middle of it. Uh, He says, all of that aside, can't tell you how deeply I enjoyed Star Trek Picard, so I won't even try. Suffice it to say that from now on, every day is Captain Picard Day. C'est un fait. Les jeux, I have one friend out there who does, did not enjoy the first episode of Picard and continued not to enjoy the show. Uh, he will remain nameless for now at least. And, uh, mostly people have been very positive about it. Now, I have found, like I said, I have found that it's been a bit slow going at times. We've only got ten episodes in the series, so and I have no doubt that, you know, we're we're heading towards a resolution. That's uh that's not the problem. But uh it seems that for a show that's called Picard, there are a lot of characters to cater to, and they're interesting. But maybe they'd be more interesting in a like you know, classic series where we had 24, 26 episodes to work with and uh, get to know them but doesn't always single them out. Uh, they could just be their roles and, uh, you know, just, you know, like standard Trek. When you're selling it as Picard's last voyage more or less uh, even though there is another series announced we'll see how that works is it even necessary as it was picard's last ride the whole story that, that it should have told and and ended it there and maybe spun off uh, with different characters i mean like for example we've seen i hope this isn't too much of a spoiler but uh, it shouldn't be because it was in the trailers we've seen seven's story or touched on seven's story could a second series have been devised that starred Seven instead, and maybe we could have jumped around from season to season to see, uh a, like Star Trek Seven. Star, well, <laughs> that sounds like the name, of, the name of a movie that was never produced. But Star Trek, such and such a character, you know, Star Trek Cisco, and have that part of the canon the postmodern era sort of thing things happening in that world at the same time as star trek picard uh in that same time frame and we could have jumped around from season to season i don't know i mean that's a bit of fan fan wish fulfillment uh i'm going on about here and would make it very hard once you've got your cast once you've got your your sets you want to reuse them You know, because you want to make that cost effective. So I understand the realities of production, but at the same time, I would be very interested in, okay, moving over to this character, moving over to that character and uh, telling a a wider tapestry of a story that does not necessarily uh, hinge on Jean-Luc Picard's Participation, But that's enough of me editorializing. Um, let me mention here that the Fire & Water Podcast Network has a Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast. So if you like this sort of content, you want more like it, think about leaving a one-time or monthly donation. It even unlocks rewards. For example, for $5 a month, you could get yourself on the Starfleet commendations list by specifically sponsoring this show, uh, just like Lieutenants John and Maggie Schaefer-Hames and Lieutenant Commander Doug Van Diver. Thanks, guys, for your contribution and for all the work you do with the Space CDC. Join Doug, John, and Maggie, and I in the fleet at patreon.com. As usual, let me remind you that you too can leave comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Fire & Water Facebook page or on Twitter, where we are, FW Podcasts. Also, a quick mention that now the show is on Spotify, so if that's your favorite podcast delivery service, look for Gimme That Star Trek, and uh, we're on there. You can listen through Spotify. Until the next episode, this is Siskoid reminding you to go boldly.